joy? No. <laughs> what an absolute nightmare. This book Yeah, is. I'm uh I'm entertained, but not in a pleasurable way. Well yeah. it's pleasurable, but like yeah. because of the because of the deep the deep reading, the active reading. Hello and welcome to Gender Forking a Twilight Saga podcast. This is a podcast about Twilight. We're reading Midnight Sun. Fresh, hot off the press, Midnight Sun, <laughs> chapters three and four, straight from the brain of Edward Cullen. You know how sometimes people like ruminate on the millions of advances and decisions that had to be made to bring you to a certain point in your life? Yeah. yeah. I was just thinking about how the printing press was invented <laughs> and Mormonism. Mormonism, was invented sure. and mm-hmm. all the the great vampire writers of of uh of yore uh yeah dial up internet dial up internet <laughs> um 50 shades of gray all brought us <laughs> to this moment where to we're reading moment. midnight sun you're right you're right what's that meme that's like it's like huge dominoes like yeah <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen some really good ones about Twilight. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, what a fun couple of chapters this is. So we're starting totally. with chapter three, Risk. Yep. Ed- okay. <laughs> <laughs> Edward is, he's already in love with Bella. Yeah. It's weird because people say it happens so fast and I'm always like, well, no, like, I don't know. And then Edward, like, it's immediate. <laughs> yeah. It's like Bella is fully, like, all the up and down that happens in Twilight, that happens in this timeline. Um, yeah. The Twilight Midnight Sun mega timeline. Like, all the up and down of Bella being like, he's nice to me. He acts like he hates me. He told me he's not sure why he saved my life. He is gaslighting me. All of that is so funny when you think about how Edward is already in love with bella at this point yeah (laughs) and it's like even funnier because he doesn't realize it yeah it literally like he has to be told explicitly by his sister which is so embarrassing (laughs) in front of his entire family (laughs) someone sent us an ask on tumblr i'm actually just gonna read it now It, it wasn't specified to like a particular chapter but i mean but we can address it you know, whenever we want, but it feels relevant right now. And this is an anonymous question on Tumblr. It says, uh, I know you guys say that Twilight can read a lot like a comedy. How do you think Midnight Sun reads? It's a lot more depressing than I expected. And it's like, yes, it is more dark and depressing, but I still feel like it's a comedy and maybe it's just a dark comedy. Yeah, I agree so far. I Yeah. I don't know. It's Maybe that'll it's, change, but... I wonder how much of that is informed by our understanding of the plot and like our our capacity for like situational irony that is informed by (laughs) us knowing what happens but i was actually that's a like a a great question and a great way to lean into i've been somebody i guess illegally i don't know what the legality is behind audiobooks or whatever has been uploading like an audiobook of midnight sun onto youtube and then getting it taken down and like re-uploading it but i've listened to about five minutes and of just the first chapter and Mm -hmm. it's honestly (laughs) kind of scary it's just this like this man reading it and i 
played it in the car for Helen and JJ and, and Helen was like what the fuck is wrong with Edward basically like he's so dramatic yeah um, I'm wow that would be really it would be really interesting to hear like a man reading like reading this aloud and like talking about killing Bella I That'd be yeah, a lot yeah and so I'm like whoa but I, th- I do still think there's definitely humor in it and I think some of it is situational but I think some of it is actually like funny anyway like especially in these couple of chapters like there's a moment where rosalie just like goes off the deep end and starts like screaming at edward in her head which is hilarious right and emma is funny and and you know yeah emma is literally the comic relief and just uh alice is very lighthearted as well i mean i think some of the some of that uh like twilight comedy energy that we talked about a lot is some of that is like right in the text and i think and then some of it is like the way that we interpret it and the way that we yeah. would interpret it if we were like creating a twilight series or whatever but yeah with midnight sun obviously there's more death and blood and gore right away yeah <laughs> um, yeah it's almost like you know how some comedies turn into dramas it's mm. it's it's like maybe the opposite of that i mean i know that there's going to be a lot of drama at the end but maybe yeah. it's like starts really dramatic and then just gets like this just this guy who's having a really existential experience and then this and then his entire life is turned upside down by falling in love with this person that he's instinctually trying to kill that is situational irony so and it's the yeah. same with twilight so i mean it's still going to those situations are still happening they're just they have a darker perspective because edward is so emo yeah yeah i agree i think like it's definitely darker than twilight and but it's it's still funny (laughs) it's still really fucking funny yeah uh, even when it's not intending to be you could play it a lot of different ways i don't know i'm curious to see how it how it continues for sure we're gonna keep thinking about that but yeah he's already in love with bella (laughs) yeah it's really like he's confused by it he's confused by his feelings but he doesn't ever entertain once the possibility of love which i think is honestly kind of interesting because he like he makes observations about his siblings being in tune to each other and protective of each other and like those are because they're in love but he does not apply those things to himself when he is feeling those things towards bella and i'm like i know dipshit I know. I think it's pretty realistic, too. I think we can see here that, like, this this is so obvious to me that Edward, in many ways, is a 17-year-old boy and really mm-hmm. lacks that emotional intelligence and has never had this experience before. And these are all new feelings for him, so he has no grasp of them. He doesn't know how to... He's not... He's... I mean, he's just really intellectualizing his feelings. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, and doesn't know how to differentiate between that and, like, his vampirism. Yeah, Which he's like down a lot of different ways. Intellectualizing it, but also like supernaturalizing it. Totally. And he's like, Oh, I feel this way towards her because I'm a killer. I'm a predator. <laughs> yeah. Of course I want to preserve her her best interest in health so that I can kill her later. And I'm like, Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's what it is. It's definitely like the most entertaining part of the book right now <laughs> is though just all the ways that he's unaware that he's in love with her let's crack into it yeah chapter three starts with edward and carlisle hunting together even though it's uh, like a little flashback right yeah it's kind of a flashback edward can read people's memories if they're thinking about them i guess 
And so Mm -hmm. he's remembering when he communicated to Carlisle that he had to leave because of Bella. And that's fun. It's fresh. It's kind of interesting because he's making these mentions. This is logistically like he's making mentions about how he needs to hunt, but animal blood is not like appealing to him as much. Yeah. Because he still has the memory of the scent of Bella's blood. And it's like, I wonder how long that effect lasts, if it's permanent. It seems like it's kind of almost making him like immune towards his instincts to kill and and it, it that holds up through the, the chapter as well like yeah. he's not the only member of his family that's experienced this like this singer <laughs> phenomenon not that they've mm-hmm. used that word yet but the like phenomenon of having someone's blood taste or smell better to you Emmett's experienced it it sounds like Carlisle is familiar with it or maybe has experienced it and so I wonder if that helps them with their self-control in any way, like, permanently. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it just gives them perspective. Because what he's talking about later on in the hospital, um, he's, like, sitting, like, literally on Tyler Crowley's bed, and Tyler is bleeding yeah. openly, and he, does, he doesn't even notice it. Cause... He's totally fine, yeah. I just think that, like, that's maybe an experience that could be helpful to vampires that are trying vegetarianism you know like if jasper had found someone who appealed to him so much that it made him not as interested in other humans as long as he could either kill get rid of or distance himself from that like that individual it might help him later down the road because we can see yeah that he's struggling in midnight sun (laughs) that makes sense too because i think edward and maybe i think it's in twilight when he's explaining the phenomenon to Bella, Jasper hasn't had that experience because mm. he's been a vegetarian for less time. So yeah. he hasn't developed the like the nuances between different blood Yeah, that makes flavors. Sense. <laughs> yeah. Mmm, <laughs> 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 spicy. Mm. <laughs> uh, another like logistic thing that came up in this is that he feels he drinks so much blood. And he's hunted so recently that he feels almost swollen. And I'm like, yeah. uh, where does it go? Like, yeah. uh, where does it go? <laughs> like, I, I guess, think it goes in their veins. Yeah, it, it metabolizes into venom, I suppose. And then... Must. And then goes into their veins. But, like, what happens if you reach capacity for blood? Do they, like, start to, like, explode or expand? <laughs> balloon like i don't understand like are they gonna like shit blood like i don't, I don't know <laughs> what happens with the extra blood i don't know where it goes <laughs> yeah it does not make biological sense ever it never ever does can you imagine he accidentally has a little bit too much blood before he goes to school to protect bella and then he starts throwing up blood at forks high school maybe like <laughs> tears or nosebleeds that'd be emo <laughs> i got a nosebleed that'd be really good oh uh, what's going on here yeah he talks to carlisle and then <laughs> it's just like one one of the first not it's not even the first moment in the chapter where He's being in love with Bella uh, <laughs> unconsciously, but like he's thinking about leaving mm-hmm. and like all the different stories that they could come up with just for a year or two until Bella would 
go away, but he's still referring to her as the girl, TM. He says, it was just a year or two, and then the girl would disappear. She would go on with her life. She would have a life to go on with. She'd go to college somewhere, start a career, maybe perhaps marry someone. I could picture that. I could see the girl dressed all in white and walking at a measured pace, her arm through her father's, and he, like, gets upset thinking about it. Yeah, I, I I can't I can't believe I cannot believe <laughs> I cannot believe that and and just my God that's your wife, <laughs> and then he's like, well I'm not gonna disappear right away of course that would be so fishy I'm gonna give it one more day and then he's like maybe two maybe three <laughs> maybe four you know? he's putting it off because he like doesn't want to leave because of her and oh my god i mean it says beg the question like i mean my guess is that he's in love with her because it's the most interesting thing that's happened to him in 80 years you know like totally (laughs) she could be anyone like it feels like she could have any personality yeah and, and that it would be the same yeah he's never been interested in anyone at all because he never gives them a chance really mm-hmm. he th- he like gets a taste of their mind and he's like Neh, whatever but i mean i guess that's like i mean it's important they wouldn't be able to fall in love whatever yeah if it weren't for that but some people say and i don't necessarily think this is true but it's like a saying or there's like this idea that you can fall in love with anyone if you like try ask them the right questions or like get mm-hmm. to know them enough or like you see certain parts of them whatever there's like that whole like new york times like 37 questions thing about that yeah the um, show married at first sight which i've been watching <laughs> oh i sh- i want to watch that oh it's so good um, yeah i mean i don't necessarily know if that's true but i think that you can i mean you can connect with someone based off of those things yeah so i, I guess that tracks but at first he like doesn't even it's just this vague interest and he doesn't know much about her and he's like trying to piece together her personality it's very mm-hmm. funny and he's like this is what i know so far <laughs> yeah and every time he like sees her actor react he'll like categorize it and be like that's because she's serious that's yeah. because she's shy and private yeah that's because she's smart <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think it's fascinating that when they get to school he's he's had this conversation with alice about how she thinks his life is at a crossroads and that something is going to change and she can't really see too much of his future because it's really blurry and he's like, all right, whatever. And then he gets to school and he thinks, I'm going to go talk to her at her car. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, you're going to what? <laughs> I think it's so funny. Like, actually, a little bit before that. He's in the car with his siblings, mm-hmm. and he's, like, thinking about how into, like, in tune, like you were saying, with each other they are. Emmett and Rosalie were oblivious to everything going on, having another one of their moments, gazing into <laughs> each other's eyes with wonder. It was rather disgusting to watch from the outside. We were all quite aware how desperately in love they were. <laughs> it's like, first of all, that's hilarious to think about that. They're just, like, on their way to high school, staring into each other's eyes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, and then he says, or maybe I was just being bitter because I was the only one alone. Some days it was harder than others to live with three sets of perfectly matched lovers. This was one of them. 
Maybe they would all be happier without me hanging around, ill-tempered and belligerent as the old man I should be by now. Of course, the first thing I did when we reached the school was look for the girl. I was just preparing myself again. He just jumps from that to the next thing without even, like, connecting the dots. The lack of self-awareness is through the roof. Yeah. My God. And, yeah, and then he's like, well, I don't know. Should I talk to her? Should I go talk to her? Should I not? She hasn't noticed me yet. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, what she hasn't she looked at me. Like, he, yeah. he, she's looking down and, like, checking out the snow tires on her car. And he's like, she didn't look at me. Yeah. Does she even know I'm here? I just, like, I forgot that. I forgot about this. Yeah. Like, same. obviously, this was has been in the draft for 15 years, but I forgot about it. <laughs> this kind of leads up to the the car crash scene. Mm. Um, right before it happens, he's watching her, thinking he's contemplating whether he should go talk to her. <laughs> That's what's happening right yeah. before this happens. <laughs> and uh, he's, you know, whatever saves her. We all know what happens. Yeah, the car crash um, happens. He goes to, he jumps across the parking lot, having seen it for half a second before it happened. I got, I gotta say, probably my least favorite line in the book so far is. On 57, when he says, a word I'd never said before yeah. in the presence of a lady slid between my clenched teeth. Let him say fuck. <laughs> it's definitely Let fuck. Let him say fuck. That is so funny to me because it's like, who has he said fuck around? In what context? Is it when he's wrestling his siblings? Is it like, like what? what and then like i've never said it before in the presence of a lady and it's like do rosalie and alice not count because they're your sisters like are you constantly watching your language around esme like what is this does he go into the woods and scream fuck when he's alone (laughs) to let it all out maybe he's got what he did in alaska it's so funny i like read it out loud to helen and i was like what word what word because you know, it's yeah. fuck, but, you know, I'm always looking for another opinion. Yeah. <laughs> she she was like, could be anything. Boob. <laughs> Titty. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> oh, my God. Later on, in the, he said, on that page, he says, oh, for the love of all that was holy, would the catastrophes never end? Yeah. <laughs> I think if that's, like the least favorite line like that's my favorite line (laughs) yeah for sure it's so funny (laughs) it's really unfortunate this whole scene but it's fun to read this from his perspective and like actually see what's going on this is happening to bella so fast that there's a lot more detail of like what exact moving parts are happening at this time so there's the initial collision the truck careening back towards them like the impact on the other vehicles around them that edward has to think about it's it's really funny like her initial fall to the ground and you know it's like it's it's happening in a hazy way to her but Mm -hmm. it's happening in such a like step by step one two three for him Mm -hmm. once it's over and they're just kind of sitting there something that i remember us discussing a lot in twilight is like edward being really lighthearted and like laughing Mm -hmm. and from his narrative here he just he says he's doing that because he's so relieved yeah um it's always interesting to see how bella is interpreting his laughter (laughs) um he probably seems like a maniac oh Um, i mean i he is so yeah yeah he is yeah (laughs) Uh, (laughs) he immediately starts gaslighting her and it's so funny the way he decides to do this because he literally just describes gaslighting 
Yeah. Since I knew from experience that if I was very confident as I lied, it made any questioner less sure of the truth. You know, like a liar, like a manipulative person. It's so funny because I, you know, I understand that he has no other option and it makes sense. I get why he does right. it. It's frustrating yeah. as hell, but... But it's like, I think he actually thinks that this is the best thing for her. It is the only option that preserves both of their safety. But it's still so annoying. I know. I'm on Team Bella right now. Yeah, absolutely. I like that he also refers to the students as students and then also children. He says that, like... The people people are starting to come look over the cars at them. He says, mostly students, children. <laughs> like, yes, we get it. You're older than them. We get it. Yeah, it's <laughs> like the the need for them to distance themselves from their classmates is just so strong. And I'm like, yeah, okay. He needs to say it every single time. I'm not like other teenagers. I'm immortal and old. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. Like the first person to reach the accident scene that can talk to them and stuff is uh, an EMT um, that he's familiar with because of Carlisle's connections at the hospital, which kind of begs the question, like, how much is Edward bothering Carlisle at work? Like, how often is he going to the hospital to be familiar with EMTs who are going in between the hospital and, like, accident scenes, presumably? I mean, it sounds like one of Edward's passions might be medical, the medical field. Totally. I mean, that kind of comes out more in this section. He describes his medical study as theoretical. Yeah. Years of theoretical medical study, which are no match for Carlisle's centuries of hands-on practice. So I guess he's never, like, he's never acted as a doctor. He's only done the theoretical part of medical school. He's never done the rounds. He's never, like, finished. Which would mean that he's never finished a degree. Yeah, which, yeah, I don't see... you have to work in a hospital to finish. Yes, you, like literally must so yeah. like he doesn't have a, a like an md he must like he says he has two degrees though didn't he yeah i don't know like there, i don't see a way that you could get out of because like it feels like more than half of medical school is hands-on You're experience so totally. i can't imagine like what or how he maybe it's just like a manipulation of paperwork that was done <laughs> like yeah, I don't know. Before. Or maybe he did do it, but he's just downplaying it here because it feels insignificant to him. Yeah, it's really strange, though. It's really interesting. I can see how... I know, I was kind of talking last time, I think, about how it doesn't make sense for the Collins to exist in a small town. And, like, wouldn't it be easier for them to blend in in Seattle? But right here, it does seem that the small town connections of knowing this EMT specifically works yeah. in their advantage because Edward is able to one say to the EMT Bella hit her head and therefore discredit her like opinion or recollection of facts and he's able to convince the EMT to let him ride in the front of the ambulance instead of putting him on a stretcher and getting him to the hospital yeah. that way which is really funny and also like he doesn't even mention it here but he prevents the EMTs from like checking his vital signs which he doesn't have right true <laughs> yeah that's the yeah. most important part like I could see how this wouldn't play out the same way in a world where they had, they like, they didn't know these people. Like, I could see how that would get them into some sticky situations. So maybe it is more helpful that they're in a small town because I think, like, policy 
can sometimes go out the window a little bit more in these circumstances if you like totally. know people. So this is one of Edward's most roller coastery chapters in Midnight Sun so far and in Twilight. I feel, and w- I guess it makes sense because he just like doesn't know how he should handle this, and it his de- his decisions about how he's going to handle it are like kind of constantly changing, and it's kind of sort of warring with himself about the way that he thinks he needs to handle it versus how he like wants to treat Bella, <laughs> which is really weird to read. It's like weird to read their argument that they have later on in the chapter where he's like, "I'm being mean, and I don't mean any of it." Yeah. That was that's strange to read. It was weird because in in Twilight it definitely like I think my assumption was that he is angry. Yeah. And I wonder like I and I think I assume that through a lot of Twilight when he acts in an angry or like like acts out of anger towards Bella, but like now it's calling into question some of the interactions they have later in the book where he yeah. is angry and I'm like are were you actually angry or are you just trying to like put on a face and lie yeah it's interesting I mean they have a conversation way later on it's sort of like the last like weird argument that they have before um the sequence at the end happens where he's like I'm I'm never angry at you I'm always just angry at myself mm-hmm. um but that doesn't happen until the end <laughs> I don't know if it's just because you know, Stephanie Meyer, I mean, intention's one thing, author intention is one thing, but I don't Mm -hmm. know if she, like, wrote Twilight and then tried to fit in this narrative of what maybe Edward was actually thinking afterwards, or if she knew the whole time that she was writing Twilight that he didn't mean anything he was saying. Yeah, that's another, yeah, that's another interesting point. Because he's being, he is awfully rude. (laughs) He's so rude. You know, also, he's really intrusive, like, in a way that's really interesting, because, like, he obviously was impacted by this accident but he wasn't admitted to the hospital and i was just like towards the end of this when charlie's in the hospital room and like edward is there too like if i were charlie and i was like i'm gonna go visit my teenage daughter and i'm gonna be there with my teenage daughter in the hospital because she like almost died and then tyler crowley's there that makes sense he's also getting checked out but edward's fine and he's just there yeah i'd be like so what are you here for? Like, what's up with you? Speaking of Charlie, Edward here realizes that Charlie Swan is not... Yeah. Um, whatever, however you want to describe... He, he's been thinking for the past two years or whatever that Charlie Swan just, like, doesn't really have thoughts and he's kind of, like, mentally slow because mm-hmm. he can't... But then he was like, oh, I'm the slow one. Yeah, he's like, oh, it's a problem <laughs> with me. Yeah, he... Yeah he sees charlie like having (laughs) complex and very articulate words and he's like oh wait the thoughts must be up there somewhere (laughs) i just can't get them i guess he's never talked to charlie before i guess not i could see why he wouldn't have anything to do with the police he's like aware of charlie so he's been around charlie enough to sense his thoughts but not enough not close enough to have a conversation so he wouldn't learn before yeah really strange when he goes to see carlisle at the hospital and he's explaining to him what happens carlisle assumes Mm -hmm. that when he's interrupting him in the middle of the day that edward has killed bella he immediately is like no and carlisle's like i'm so sorry i didn't want to hurt your feelings (laughs) (laughs) which is so funny Oh my god. It's interesting, the dynamic between Carlisle and Edward. Sometimes I feel in a group setting that Carlisle is clearly like the father, the leader of this group, and then, but sometimes in these like little one-on-ones with 
Carlisle and Edward, it, do- it doesn't feel necessarily like, mm-hmm. that's my dad, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's funny. It's like, it's Carlisle also is kind of like, not, I mean, he's not like entirely just like really nice. And like, he doesn't entirely just like baby Edward either. There's like some yeah, lines he in doesn't. here that are like, I don't know, kind of funny where like he's talking to Edward and Carlisle goes, Forks is certainly the wrong place with her, with you, or or the wrong place for her with you here. And like playing up the danger that Bella's in, which is true, but also it seems kind of uncharacteristic for the way that like Edward presents Carlisle. Yeah, totally. Exactly. so funny. (laughs) Carlisle kind of immediately sees the irony in the situation that Edward went from wanting to kill Bella to like saving her life and he's like yeah it's been a really interesting day for you huh <laughs> yeah he's like mm, interesting son that's that's very um very yeah. proud of you and yeah. also what the fuck like <laughs> yeah <laughs> also carlisle in his office has an undiscovered hasam i don't know how if i'm pronouncing that right uh-huh hasam hasam it's a who's a painter so he has he like low-key has a really a really famous painter's undiscovered painting hanging in his office in this small town (laughs) which makes me wonder like was he friends with this person i looked him up he's like an impressionist uh from he's an american impressionist from interesting um, the east coast u.s like boston new york that area Uh, so it would track that maybe i mean as long as he was like in europe or america that's like makes sense that carlisle might have known him (laughs) It's such an interesting chapter. It's, like, super dramatic, and then the fallout is kind of, like, funny. Tyler's fucking annoying. Like, he immediately, like, even in this moment already is, like, like you know, maybe I gotta take Bella out on a date to fix yeah. this Edward is so upset about it, but he doesn't realize it. Yeah. He's yeah. mad about it, and he, like, he, he, but he still is not making the leap between, like, what I'm feeling is jealousy or, like, what yeah. I'm feeling is, like, ownership. <laughs> He's just like, why does it... <laughs> yeah, ownership, honestly. He's like, why does it matter that Tyler Crowley thinks Bella's pretty? <laughs> yeah. Which is it's funny like, because... He's, like, almost even offended that, that Tyler says she wasn't my usual type. And I'm yeah. like, Edward, when you first saw Bella, you were like, she's plain and normal. Yeah. Like, you right. were not like, whoa, she's gorgeous. We talked about this last time. But you were not, yeah. like immediately like oh my god she's perfect you know right right and he also like doesn't refer to her as her name most of the time he just calls her the girl yeah so stop talking (laughs) i think it's so funny how up and down he is though he's like he's listening to all this happening from carlisle's office and he's just like should i get up should i go see her what should i do and yeah it's funny um, also they're they're looking at the x-rays carlisle and edward are looking at bella's x-rays and carlisle makes this joke Look at all the healed contusions. How many times did her mother drop her? And I'm like, why does she have all those healed contusions on her head? <laughs> I guess because she's, like, clumsy, but... Is it hard to get a contusion? I'm looking it up. I don't know. Um, like, on the head. Yeah. And I mean, maybe maybe Renee did drop her. A contusion... This is That's, like, serious, right? A contusion is a bruise to the brain itself. Oh. That's bad, then. That sounds really bad. God. Contusions I mean, make her along with a fracture or other blood clots. You know, like, I was, that's very serious. <laughs> I was thinking about it and I was like, you know, I don't think this is the case because it sounds like it's something hereditary from Charlie that prevents her brain from being red. But yeah. maybe 
she was dropped so many fucking times <laughs> that her brain just like Six is skull. unreadable because she yeah. has like gotten it fucked up so much. I'm sure that like a contusion can also be considered like something more mild, like a concussion. It must be because she doesn't ever make mention of like being in and out of hospitals for how clumsy she is. She just mentions being embarrassed. I mean, if it's serious enough to be picked up on a an x-ray, you would think it would be pretty bad because like once right. you bruise like something and then it heals, you can't usually see that unless it's like something that was like bruised, you know? It just seems like a very serious injury, and it seems like Carlisle's joking that maybe Renee dropped her. Yeah. But I'm like, what happened to you? Very interesting. And then they have this interaction at the end of the chapter that's basically a continuation of what's going, what's what happens right after the accident, where he's like, well, I'm not going to tell you, and no one will believe you, so. Right. Too bad. She asks him, like, why'd you even bother? And he literally is like, I answered honestly. I don't know. And I'm like... No wonder she's confused. Yeah. Like, also, I don't feel like that's honest. I feel like if she asked him, like, why'd you even do it? I imagine he'd be like, I don't know. Like, how does he not think, like, oh, I feel protective over you? Even if he doesn't, like, ascribe love (laughs) to that. Yeah. Yeah, He could just be like, I didn't want you to die. Yeah. Like, oh, I didn't want you to die. I didn't want you to die. Bitch. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, why wouldn't I? If I could, then I should have. Like... I'm an ethical person. Like, I'm a good person. Like, right. That's but he doesn't believe answer. that about himself, I guess. So, it's true. But he could say it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that there's an, a line here, too. I hope you enjoy disappointment. What the fuck does that mean? Yeah. Who would say that? It's so. <laughs> I hope you enjoy disappointment. No. He calls himself an undead nightmare straight from the pages of a horror novel. And I'm like, wow, the fourth wall has been demolished. Demolished. <laughs> You know, even reading the first chapter where all he's thinking about is killing her, I still don't think that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Like, I'm like, I don't know. that scary. What I think of, like, is the true monster. The true monster is the one without any, like, ethical code. And, like, right. that's clearly not what these vampires are in this story. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the end of chapter three, Risk. Okay, should we do the Forks cast? Yeah, let's fucking go. <laughs> wow very similar weather to what we're experiencing right now in san diego 86 degrees today in forks Uh sunny the low is 57 and it's gonna be clear all day it's not gonna rain until later this week on thursday and friday and yeah wow you're in forks pretty much it feels like i'm in forks okay chapter four (sighs) chapter four Edward goes back to school and spreads the the news that he's fine and it didn't impact him at all, etc. Yeah. And describes himself as a stalker, which is weirdly self-aware. Accurate. Yeah. It's interesting that he's both self-aware and doesn't stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like a stalker, an obsessed stalker, yeah. an obsessed vampire stalker. <laughs> cool love that for you it's kind of funny that's like that's one of the moments that i think is funny yeah for sure edward's version of school without bella he like describes it as like coma like even worse than before even more boring than before color had drained from everything around me blah 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 and it's interesting because that's how she explains school when he's not there because it's sunny outside you're right 
it's it's funny because once they've gotten to know each other even when they're not together together mm. like even when they're still like kind of going like an up and down of, yeah is he gonna be mean to her or not like that's how she explains it when he's not there like the color has drained and everything aww. and i'm like oh you're codependent oh <laughs> they can't be happy without each other oh healthy cute <laughs> But you know what? He doesn't, he does not slander her here. He decides that he can't bring himself to tell the lie that she hit her head and, you know, she's not doing well and seeing things. Which is funny because he was so determined. Like one second ago. And he started to tell that lie. Yeah. Because he told, that's what he told the um, EMT. Yeah. And so I'm kind of like... So, in between... <laughs> I mean, I like that he changed his mind, but he, he deci- decides that it's just unchivalrous to slander the girl behind her back. And I'm like, chivalry? Is that why? Better to be an asshole to her face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's really chivalrous when I'm a dick to her and gaslight her. <laughs> yeah. He is spending time in, I guess, Spanish class trying to... Like, Emma is kind of like, you fucked up to him and, mm-hmm. and he starts to parse through his siblings reactions yeah <laughs> rosalie of course is pissed beyond belief but jasper is the one who's like i'm gonna fucking kill bella right okay <laughs> jasper is so inhuman he's definitely the most inhuman yeah and that's kind of the plot of this chapter is that edward is trying to prevent jasper from his set mission of killing bella first i don't really yeah I guess I get why Jasper wants to do this, but his logic is not sound. It's not like, it's not airtight. It makes less sense to me. And I think I I side definitely more with Carlisle on this one. It makes sense to me that this would cause more of a spectacle. If she died. Is it not easier to like wait and see if Bella's gonna say anything, which is what they and they finally kind of decide on then to be like well i'm gonna kill her before she has the chance like right that's one of the reasonings that he uses later on was like she should have died today like he's setting that right and it's like you're not time travelers you're allowed to interfere in Mm -hmm. the human world (laughs) i was reading this out loud to jj in the car yeah and when actually it was last chapter and he was mad and i was like what's why and he was like why didn't any of the others try to do anything about it and I was like, well, they didn't know because only Edward could read Alice's mind. Mm-hmm. But he was like, why like, do these people not interact and try to prevent things like this? And True. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Even if they didn't see it know. in the future, they still would have been able to act fast enough to prevent it from happening. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to like as me not necessarily vampire me but i wouldn't be able to like sit with being like i literally could have prevented that and i chose not to like that is killing her whether you save her or not you're still like you're still implicated if you're able to help i agree and i'm also like this is why it kind of doesn't sit great with me that edward has like a period of time where he rebels and goes out and kills rapists Mm -hmm. but then he stops doing it and he thinks that's the more ethical choice yeah (laughs) like he could literally spend every night he has the time the energy and the skills to stop crime to, or whatever to stop crime and i don't understand like he does it for a little bit and then he's like well i'm done with that 
so yeah now i'm gonna be morally you know, pure again he doesn't have to kill them either you know it's like if he can resist human blood like he doesn't have to kill them right like rosalie he could save people from harm and not like murder the harm doer right you know like he could remove the harm doer from the situation and be like stop but it was never about that it was about him being able to to get human blood you know yeah it wasn't really about yeah. him trying to help people which is right and now i'm like y'all are boring and like where are the vampires in the world because i don't think there have been any that we've met throughout the course of the saga that are like using these powers for good right i feel like they think that their inaction is morally superior like the fact that they're just like passively not killing anyone is good which i guess when comparing it to other vampires you could say that but like they sort of pick and choose when they're going to say that they're a part of society and like when they're going to be model citizens and when they're going to take someone's life into their hands you know yeah they're certainly more committed to the idea of balance totally than they are to the idea of like good yeah or justice what edward is like brooding about throughout this chapter is he's like am i gonna like is this gonna come to a fight like am i gonna fight my family over this girl i barely know and he's like i am because he believes that that's right he says it wasn't fair to leave her undefended when i was the one who put her in danger which is true and it's kind of like one of the only times i see him like fully taking responsibility for something in the right way It's surprising to me, not surprising, but I just feel like it's weird that no one else in the family is immediately like, yeah, your Edward is right. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It's not like vampires haven't impacted the course of human history either, because like, clearly the vampires in Volterra, like, the Volturi are impacting Italy. Yeah. And they are like, the elite, and they're making the law, and they're making legend and stuff. Maybe not so much anymore, but it's not like, there's nothing like, necessarily conspicuous about what they're doing Mm -hmm. i guess Mm -hmm. he's sort of going through in his head like who does he think is going to be on his side or not he thinks that carlisle will be on his side and he's right but he's not sure about esme he says esme wouldn't side against me but she would be for any plan that would keep her family intact i'm like that's such a centrist take yeah and alice will just go with the winner which is funny right (laughs) they were just both kind of like well yeah i'm not gonna i'm not weigh gonna be in part on of this what yeah. i actually think yeah yeah and then edward's like am i gonna have to kidnap bella should i drive her back to her mother <laughs> and like deposit her <laughs> which is so funny because it's like what is she just gonna accept that like yeah. is she just gonna be like yeah i guess i'm gonna live with renee again by charlie right like how does edward think that's gonna work that out so weird i just feel like i really don't get alice and jasper <laughs> like sorry i know <laughs> i was thinking about that like it it's really interesting like people love them and yeah. i get that a little yeah but do they love alice and jasper or do they just love alice right i feel like i just love alice i just love alice yeah like jasper i don't know even like his rationale in this whole thing when it comes down to it his motive for killing bella is not to protect the family from exposure in the way that rosalie's is rosalie's like i refuse to start over again i refuse to like allow this to like impact my life jasper's trying to protect alice yeah it's weird 
I won't let Alice live in danger. And then Alice is like, uh-huh, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. She goes to interrupt him and Jasper's like, uh, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, like, I can protect myself. And it's like, that's kind of glossed over in favor of Alice's revelation of the future, which has solidified at this point to be two options. Right. Which I want to talk about that too. But totally. um, Jasper's like, Alice is going to say she can take care of herself. And it's like, she can. Yeah, she literally can. What is she in danger of? Yeah. I guess maybe the implication is the danger of exposure yeah. would make the Volturi a danger to them. Maybe. Maybe. But it's not stated in that explicit way. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, I don't know. Yeah, and you're right. He does. He's not worried about the family unit. He's... Yeah. I just, like, get really bad vibes from Jasper here. <laughs> yeah, I don't really like it. He's trying to take control even more than Edward is. Like, he's like i'm just gonna kill her it's like why do you think that you get to do that yeah like how have you been living with the cullens for like 50 years at this point or like 40 years and like you're still not getting like the point of the family right and carlisle made a really compelling totally really compelling point that like the whole purpose of our family is to be worth protecting or something worth protecting yeah so like we are not going to murder a blameless child in cold blood. <laughs> right. You know? And so that's interesting. And then Alice's visions of what the future holds as Jasper lets go of being so hellbent on killing her mm-hmm. solidifies into two options as they see them, I guess. The two options that she ends up on are like, Bella's going to be a vampire or Edward is going to kill Bella. Mm-hmm. And it's like, The reason she thinks that is because those are the two things she's seeing where like Edward and Bella are both covered in blood and and Bella's body's like lifeless Mm -hmm. or it's her and her and Bella like embracing and they're both vampires. Mm -hmm. I would like to propose that this is the same future. Yeah. As you were saying it, I was like, hmm, sounds like the birth scene. Yes, because I think what Alice and Emmett or and Edward are interpreting as the other alternative of bella dying is just like bella having given birth edward being covered in blood because he tries to bite the baby out of her stomach yeah and that she looks absolutely decimated because of the destruction of the birth yeah and that she is dead but she's also like about to be a vampire and so like i don't see that this is two separate futures at this point knowing the end of the series i see that this is one future that they're misinterpreting as two separate ones because yeah. they don't understand the context of why it would be so violent. The The circumstance of Bella being turned into a vampire would not be so violent if they were going to do it. That's true. That's really interesting. They think that, like, either he's going to be strong enough to, to not kill her, in which case she'll become a vampire, or he'll kill her. Like, that's supposed to be, like, the point of the... It sets up, like, the entire struggle of the story, but it's kind of, like... Hmm, maybe he was already resolved not to kill her <laughs> at this point. I think he, he just was. doesn't believe in himself. Yeah, and that's that's plays into question, like, if this is really the Renesmee birth scene, then he was also going to fuck her no matter what. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's that. Determined. He made up his mind already. <laughs> yeah, he was never going to be able to resist Bella being, like, before I'm a vampire, it's gonna go down yeah (laughs) that's bella making up her mind actually (laughs) yeah that's what the vision's for 
But yeah, Jasper, Jasper was actually my candidate for vampire therapy this time around. Wow. Because like, what the <laughs> fuck? What the fuck? Yeah, um, it's really fucked up. Also, like simultaneously, I've heard some people say this before, but not it's not very widely discussed. Like, Alice, your boyfriend is a confederate soldier like why are like why are you doing this yes get your man it's frustrating because it's like it almost feels like jasper's just looking for an excuse to kill someone yeah seriously and that he's tired of being a vegetarian and that it's not worth it for him yeah and i want to know what the like aha moment is in between now and like new moon ish that solidifies that he's actually going to put forth an effort Mm -hmm. to be more actively a part of the family in the way that the family wants him to be totally because right now it just seems like he's really not doing well yeah and he's not like this just seems like an excuse to like kill someone which is weird because like he wanted to leave that lifestyle behind yeah but i don't know if he wanted to leave behind the killing of humans or the killing of vampires that's a good question and i don't know if like he just left behind the killing of humans because of alice yeah i feel like he's doing it for alice it's almost like alice is obsessed with her like influence over jasper she's and, trying like, to change him to change him and yeah. help him and that's like we don't we don't um we don't do relationships like that no <laughs> we shouldn't no. like we like if there's something so horrible about someone that you feel like you have to change them to be able to be in a successful relationship with them right it's not worth it right yeah sorry i just don't get it canonically at least i know that people are really into them and there's lots yeah, of ways to spin like it, it but right now i'm really not feeling it not i think this it. is going to be a really hot take and i feel like we might get a little bit of pushback on this but i'm willing to put a line in the sand and say i don't get it yeah please explain it to <laughs> us honestly you can I'm, I'm open to that i don't i don't like dislike them i'm not i don't have any stake in their relationship yeah. which is why i'm saying this yeah yeah i don't understand how jasper could simultaneously be a cold-blooded killer and be so determined to do this and be an empath yeah, that's a weird one, Stephanie. Like, it could it seems to me that he should be it should be easiest for him to be a vegetarian because right. he would be emotionally impacted by every wrong choice that he right. makes. Right. And that's like his backstory is that he like had to feel all the things that the young vampires, newborns he killed were feeling and like that was what was like destroying him emotionally and it's like dude, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, my um, candidate for therapy was actually Edward again. (laughs) Nice. I point to the very end of the chapter where Alice has has told him that he is in love with Bella. (laughs) And everyone is reacting in different ways. Rosalie is disgusted and like gags. And (laughs) Emmett starts laughing and esme is overjoyed and carlisle is just like really patient alice is like this is it this is what's happening and jasper's like this is it this is what's happening and edward yeah the what tips him over the edge is esme being happy for him yeah and he stalks out of the room esme reaches for his hand as as he passes but he she or he ignores it walks out into the rain goes all the way over to where he can see the lights of seattle and he says shut in by the rain all alone i finally made myself look at what i had done at the way i had mutilated the future 
And it's like, come on, buddy. Yeah. It's so funny because he has the support system. It's not like him against his family. Like, they're all they're all pretty much on board at this point. Yeah. And instead of in any way talking through this with the only six people in the world mm-hmm. that could ever understand what he was going through, uh-huh. he decided to run into the rain. Yeah, this is sad. the second time in two weeks that he's run away, so... Yeah, he sits there and he, like, confronts the future and everything like that. And I just think, like, this scene of him storming out of the house, it, like, deserves a great song, like, a really great dramatic song, Mm -hmm. and I don't really have one Mm -hmm. in my brain Mm -hmm. for it, but I'd be really curious to see, like, what other people think would fit in in that scene, because I think that's a really great dramatic turning point moment of this book where he is confronted with what the future will hold (laughs) and... He can't deal with it, so he runs away in the rain. What's that song? I'm just a kid and life is a nightmare. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> he really does run away. But I guess it's yeah. the last time he's gonna run away because part of this conversation with Alice is that he realizes that he can't he can't leave. He's like yeah, already he, made up his mind. He realizes that it's futile and but then he kind of says at the end of the chapter, he's like he's not entertaining leaving, which I uh, argue I argue is like He's giving in to the fact that he's in love with Bella and he's not willing to be away from her anymore, but he's still going to try to change the future. Yeah. Like, that's how he leaves it off. He's like, there must be another way. And it's like, fuck off. Don't bet against Alice. Yeah, exactly. Imagine your sister can see the future and you're like, no. Yeah. No. No. (laughs) Like, okay. This doesn't affect me because I can't read. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's so funny. I love the fact that they have this dining room table that they only use for like these conference style family discussions. The drama of it is unparalleled. Can you imagine having a discussion with your family like this? Not even the first part about the murder. Just like, can you imagine the part where your sister's like, you're in love. And then you're like totally in denial and everyone's like, and everyone starts laughing yeah that little privacy (laughs) everyone finds out you're in love at the same moment as you god like how do you show your face in your own home again oh my god (laughs) he's trying not to that's why he runs away i know something that i forgot to say about the section okay when when rosalie starts talking about murdering bella Mm -hmm. there's this moment where carlisle immediately is like no i excused it when you killed all of the people that hurt you because i thought that it was your justice and i was like you didn't have to say that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like it's rude of you to say that. Like, you don't have to bring that up. Yeah. They should have a rule where they don't have to talk about their trauma. Totally. Unless it's on their own terms. And like, you that, know? <laughs> it's almost like he is like, I let you do that. I gave you permission to do that. But you weren't allowed to do that unless I thought it was okay. And it's right. as if like, she otherwise wouldn't have the autonomy or the right to do something like that. Yeah, that was kind of fucked up. I was like, it was weird. Okay. <laughs> also like edward has like no sympathy for her he's like yes we all know how proficient an assassin you are rosalie <laughs> yeah i'm like fuck like you are too dude like yeah you've both killed at people. least like at least she had a personal vendetta against those people you just went up and killed randos yeah it's weird we never he i don't get why he doesn't ever once like have sympathy for her yeah i kind of wonder if that will happen later in the book at all like yeah I don't know. It's just kind of like, I'm, I'm, I'm like hoping, I'm hopeful for like a redeeming second of like their relationship, but I'm right. kind of like, damn. <laughs> yeah. I think there's like a part of Twilight where he talks about like feeling sympathy once he understands what it's like to be in love, but I'm like, that's not the kind of sympathy that 
yeah we need from you right now yeah it shouldn't be conditional right and it shouldn't be about Mm. you (laughs) another interesting thing about rosalie rosalie loves convention i feel like this this is an interesting part of her character she's an extremely Mm. conventional person and being immortal has not changed that it's like a part of her personality to like crave convention which she can no longer have because of vampirism but i wonder if that's just like the trauma that she might have ingrained in her because she was frozen after a moment of extreme trauma and like yeah so she can't ever get back what she had like before that trauma but she's saying she likes forks because they almost get to be normal and i'm like do you like yeah do you like high school yeah it's interesting because like she says she doesn't want to do high school again but then she likes being normal i don't know and it seems like she and emmett have the most I guess, frequency of, like, getting married conventionally and, like, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it seems like that's what she craves and she just, like, redefines what that means for each reiteration of their lives in a new era, Yeah, I guess, (laughs) of modern, I guess. I just find that hard to believe. (laughs) Yeah, it's weird. I I wonder if she'll ever get past the convention of needing children. Right. Like, as she sees society change around her and as she sees more and more people not have children will she be like oh i can be normal too yeah people can be fulfilled with with other things yeah like i wonder if that would ever change for her it's just sad to me that stephanie makes her miserable this entire fucking time and she doesn't have to be miserable yeah they say she has other interests like being a mechanic (laughs) you know yeah and then they act like she doesn't speaking of mechanic edward mentions a car that is his in this and i'm like that's is that a volvo i don't he says my vanquish oh yeah I was like, I forgot you had another car. Yeah, he has a... I forgot. He has a luxury car that he is not the one that he drives around all the time. It's a Vanquish, which was introduced in 2001. A specially modified V12 Vanquish was driven by James Bond in the 2002 film Die Another Day. He has a James Bond car. I bet he has of the same car that James Bond drew, drove in that movie three years prior. It's an interesting chapter. Yeah. It gives a lot of Cullen family dynamics. Totally. From- really early in the book very fun totally i really like that even though i disagree with a lot of what happens <laughs> oh absolutely horrific to read but is, also yeah yeah <laughs> kind of fun <laughs> uh, the next chapter is invitations i need to look at the table of contents where's blood type is that seven it is six so oh, our next chunk yeah. should be invitations and blood type which is exciting what i remember so specifically from reading the draft the first time around when i was like a child was that there's a line in blood type where he's looking at bella and she's like standing in the rain and he's like bella doesn't wear makeup she's not like other girls etc etc and i cannot believe (laughs) that i'm gonna have to read that again still in here i think it is Ugh yeah okay well that's something to look forward to for next time (laughs) oh my god i'm like literally gonna read it right now wow yeah anything else what else i don't think so i think just for those of you listening along at home feel free to send in your questions for upcoming chapters yes um as you read just send them to us with the chapter title and the subject and we'll get to them when we get to the part of the book we're yeah really excited fuck yeah cool join our patreon it's fun yeah come hang out with us in the patreon yeah All right, thanks for listening, and that's all, forks. Bye.
Thank you for listening to Gender Forking, a Twilight Saga podcast. All of seasons one and two are now streaming. To stay updated about the podcast, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at, at @genderforking. For more Twilight content from us, follow us at bowlingshirtbellas at tumblr.com. For other inquiries, email us at bowlingshirtbellas at gmail.com. If you would like to support the production and maintenance of this podcast, head to patreon.com slash genderforking. The music you are hearing is from O Lucifer.